Internet Explorer is a podcast uh, for people of all ages, provided that they're disgusting internet monsters who don't like the sunshine, who like to sit in the darkness uh, with the only light being their laptop for hours and hours and days on end, no matter how much their family pleads for them to come outside to, to finally eat something other than the gruel and mush and Cheeto dust that they consume rapidly. Hey, doomsday preppers. <laughs> Looks like Obama's still in the White House, so we gotta <laughs> look at exactly how much jet fuel it takes to burn steel. There's some adult language. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Internet Explorer. Welcome. My name is Katie Natopoulos. And I'm Ryan Broderick. Today we have a special guest with us, Adrian Chen, uh, who is a writer. Uh, hi, Adrian. Hi, Adrian. Hello. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Adrian and I are a little hungover today, I think. Katie. Are you hungover? I'm okay. Really? Okay. I'm so disappointed in you guys. Adrian is a writer. Uh, He is a freelance writer now. He formerly worked at Gawker, and he has written a big story for the New York Times Magazine called The Agency, which is about these Russian troll farms. And we're really excited to talk to him about that. But first. But first. Adrian, um, we know you love the internet. Uh Uh-huh. Is that accurate? <laughs> Parts of it. <laughs> okay, so Adrian, I have a game for you. Um, it was first kind of spotted by Tumblr user Algebra. So algebra.tumblr.com. I got to give you a shout out for this. But I'm going to ask you, I have six tweets. And the game is you have to tell me if they were tweeted by famous weird Twitter account Drill or famous atheist Richard Dawkins. Here we go. Your first one is stare directly into the sun for free. Hashtag Black Friday deals. That's drill. You were right. That's <laughs> Yay! Drill. Question two. The brand Ayatollah. That's Dawkins. That's drill. Oh. <laughs> Here's one. Darwin's name is never mentioned anywhere in Mein Kampf. Do you have any other evidence? Dawkins. That's right. That's Dawkins. <laughs> okay. Uh, three, three more for, for you. Here we go. Um, out with dentists, in with mouth gurus. Um, drill. Yeah, it's drill. Yeah, you <laughs> <Mouth> got it. <laughs> I'm a mouth guru. Okay. Good idea to beam erotic videos to theocracies. Not violent women hating porn, but loving, gentle women respecting eroticism. <laughs> That's definitely Dawkins. <laughs> got the Dawkins, creepy yeah. old man oh, thing. Wow. I mean, as an idea, that is great. <laughs> Last one for you. And this one is a bit of a doozy, but I think I think you've been doing really well. So here we go. Last one. Don't dare build a snowman. It's anti-Islamic. <laughs> That's Dawkins, too. <laughs> yeah, that's Dawkins. Well, that's good. Five out of six. That's great. <laughs> Do you guys have any idea how a snowman would be anti-Islamic? Yeah, the very idea of it. Come on, Katie. What's wrong with you? Mm, all right. All right. So I want to talk to you about the agency. So can you describe what a Russian troll farm is and like why they have them and what the people in these so-called troll farms are actually doing. The troll farms are basically organizations that 
troll the internet in favor of Putin and they hire like hundreds of young Russians to post pro-Putin anti-American comments on the internet. I guess I probably shouldn't say this, but we we have also hired out troll farms to write positive comments about yeah. in the Internet Explorer mm-hmm. podcast. All of our SoundCloud comments are actually uh, Putin supporters that just kind of do it. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. Everyone's just like, Putin's great. Yeah. Okay, we were talking about bronies. Um, All of your views are just like bots, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the way that this works, right, is that there's like these sort of shady companies and no one exactly knows who technically employs them. Although in your piece, you said that it's like kind of an open secret that it's this one guy who's like a restaurateur who supports Putin and is like kind of close to the Kremlin, but no one can totally prove it's him. Well, the one that I I wrote about is, uh, you know, alleged to be run by this guy, Yevgeny Prigozhin, who is yeah nicknamed the Kremlin's chef. That's so awesome. But a lot of them are just kind of yeah these like weird outsourced things that nobody really knows who's doing it. So there's a lot more than the one that you focused on. I didn't realize. So there's like multiple troll farms. Well, I talked to one guy who ran a troll farm and he said that you know this is like a pretty common thing and and people will just hire out, you know, 30 people in some random town and just like post these like pro government con you know comments not just about you know the Kremlin but about their local authorities you know people just like mayors or something will do this mm-hmm. and Adrian how did you first spot this well actually I first got aware of it through a BuzzFeed article by Max Seddon yeah he wrote a story about like the agency being hacked and some people you know leaking all these documents about what was going on and so I just started following the accounts that were in these documents as, you know, listed that they were trolls. And so I kind of, through that, assembled this network of people who all seemed to be doing the same thing. And so it was like over a few months last year that that, I did that. So one of the weird things was that the Russian trolls sort of infiltrated U.S. politics in a weird way. So your story sort of starts out with these people who would post on Twitter and other places that there had been like a fake natural disaster and that just sort of was to just fuck everyone up sort of and it, but you traced it, you were able to trace these back to these Russian troll farms. One of the things that I saw was that they were doing all these hoaxes where they would kind of pretend that there was an explosion at a chemical plant mm-hmm. or that somebody had gotten uh, Ebola in Atlanta and they would use all sorts of like YouTube videos and fake tweets and you know even Wikipedia pages that they made up to spread this illusion um, and you know I was able to link a lot of these to this same troll farm in St. Petersburg. What is the purpose of that? Is it just to fuck with people? What, what does a Russian troll get out of trying to trick people in America that there is an explosion at a Louisiana chemical plant? I don't know because I was never able to talk to anybody who like mm-hmm. admitted to it but you know in Russian propaganda they're always focused on like disasters in the US on like unrest and chaos to kind of show that the U.S. doesn't have it all together and why why is the U.S. lecturing Russia? Why are they sanctioning Russia when, you know, we have our own problems? So eventually you start meeting with some people who worked at these agencies, right? And they're trying to lead you down this path of like, oh, it's nice work if you can get it. And, and you met with one person who had worked there for about a year. Right. Well, I interviewed one woman, kind of my main 
source was mm-hmm. this woman named Ludmila Savchuk, and she'd worked there for like two and a half months. And she actually kind of was a mole in the agency and downloaded all these documents and took videos and leaked it to this local newspaper to kind of expose it because she didn't like what was going on. You said that it was like pretty good pay. I think you said like as much as like a pro- university professor would get. Yeah, it was definitely good for the work and... Um, you know, I talked to one woman who was like a journalist and she had she had tried to get jobs doing journalism before she worked at the troll farm. And mm-hmm. she said that, you know, the work leaving comments on on articles was better than like working for a local newspaper. <laughs> Where does this money come from? Yeah. There's like a guy that said to be at the top. But like, was there any indication that like this was a sustaining business of any kind or was it simply just this and nothing else? Well. I think the idea is that the that the money comes from, you know, some government contracts or something, but right. you know, nobody's proven that. That's kind of the the allegation, but you know, there are I talked to some people who said that basically the entire idea of pro-government trolling in Russia is basically like a scam to kind of fleece the government so that, you know, these like people will set up troll farms and it doesn't really work or do anything, but they, you know, put out all this work and then are able to kind of like get these lucrative contracts and kind of show that they're doing something. That's amazing. Huh. Katie, we got to start a troll farm. This is what this is what we were be- born to do. This is our new business. You got to um, do it. Yeah. Uh, let's just quit BuzzFeed right now and we're going to go open up our own Russian troll Isn't farm. Isn't BuzzFeed already a kind of a troll farm? <laughs> <laughs> Vladimir Putin, if you're listening to, po- uh, to Internet Explorer, as I'm sure you are, we've got an idea for you. I mean, that's sort of fascinating because it, it does seem like the idea of, oh, we're going to totally change government, you know, pe- or the com- country's sentiment about the government purely by leaving nasty comments on blogs is kind of pissing in the wind, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't seem like, how could that actually work? Um, and so the idea that maybe it, it totally doesn't work, but they're just fleecing the government is kind of amazing. Yeah, I mean, I heard that, but also I heard that people s- said, you know, it's not really to convince people, it's to just kind of muddy the waters and make the internet kind of this dirty place so that the opposition in Russia really kind of uh, grew up on the internet and by kind of making it dirty and, and unusable, they'll kind of silence those guys. Mm-hmm. So in Russia, uh, about 50% of the population is on the internet? That's what one uh, opposition activist said, yeah. I, I guess I never really thought about it, but I was kind of surprised by that figure because I guess Russian internet is really vibrant, but it's vibrant in a very unique way that just doesn't seem to fit with like the rest of the world's use of the internet. Do you feel like there's like an inherent conflict in the way Russians, both the government and the people, use the internet? Well, the Russian internet is kind of more cut off from the rest just because they use Cyrillic, and mm-hmm. so it's a different alphabet. It's, um, you know, they still use a live journal. They have their own, almost like an alternative internet and i think that that's one thing that makes it very different is that it's more of a closed system and um you know they have their own like facebook be contact that's very popular and so it's almost like a parallel universe it's definitely got a very vibrant you know scene and and you know i think the 50% figure is only i think it's it's doesn't actually represent the, the fact that like there's a huge uh, internet penetration there. So, mm-hmm. like, I, I think, you know, the majority of people will go on the internet sometimes. These troll farms have been doing this for presumably a while, but it was only in this recent leak, document leak, that it became totally clear to the public this is what's been going on, that there's these paid trolls writing these terrible comments. 
Does the average Russian internet user know that if they see all these garbage comments, they're probably from fake trolls? And do they care? Is that like a thing? Do they care about authenticity on the internet? Well, there were rumors about paid trolls like mm-hmm. for, you know, decades. I think only recently has there been proof that it mm-hmm. exists. And I think that it's a, yeah, it's like a meme. You know, anybody mm-hmm. who says anything pro-Kremlin, they'll instantly be accused of being a troll, you know, <laughs> uh, even though there are a lot of people who are legitimately, like, supporting Putin. Yeah. Then the real people get to kind of be like, oh, you guys are so paranoid. You think that everybody who likes the Kremlin is a troll. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm real. And and so that almost kind of, like, a judo move to also discredit critics, you know. But, yeah, I think I think that people are, you know, annoyed by it. They mm-hmm. they they want to hear people who are not paid by the government. <laughs> um, but they're also very used to it because that's how it works a lot in, in Russia. And, and so, you know, one strategy that the Kremlin is using is to kind of put propaganda in blogs of kind of normal people, you know, so to, to try to hide it. And, you know, I, I talked to one woman who said that they were putting it in the blogs of like popular exercise bloggers or like diet bloggers or um you know even like they were trying to do it in like gay community uh that's like online yeah. yeah that takes some balls to drop pro putin propaganda into gay blogs do some of the journalists and other people that you talk to um that are anti troll and possibly anti putin do they feel like any optimism about the state of Russian internet or do they are they sort of resigned to thinking it's always going to be this place of treacherous comments and you never really know what's real the people I talk to seem pretty pessimistic about the Russian internet because um, I think there was a sense you know in like 2010 2011 when there were all these protests that were organized you know mostly on like Facebook and vcontact and live journal was that the internet was kind of like this place where the opposition ruled and could kind of like get their message out in a way that you you can't at all in, you know, Russian television's pretty much completely controlled by the Kremlin. And, you know, one guy I talked to said that there was kind of an arrogance that, oh, you know, we understand the internet, the Kremlin will never be able to figure it out. Yeah. And since then, you know, they've been pretty effective, not just through trolls, but through like their own online media, through kind of like tech savvy like pro Kremlin people in like really getting their message out and kind of clamping down on the internet. So I think uh, people there are kind of like, oh, we myth- we underestimated what mm-hmm. they could do, and and now the internet's not our place anymore. Yeah, it's funny because I feel like in in a way that that's always the story. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be that the government or McDonald's is going to observe like and sort of take your secret little language that you're using like you can only be two steps ahead of the corporations and the government at any time but they're going to catch up yeah and i think that that's the lesson of what happened on the russian internet personally i think you'll agree uh we need to disband the government and end all corporations (laughs) well yeah agree and capitalism so speaking of capitalism and things that will kill you um you got into like a kind of scary situation when you were in russia you met with a woman who had worked at one of these troll farms and during your meeting with her there she brought a guy who she said was her brother who was a neo-nazi and had like a neo-nazi t-shirt and tattoos on And then it turned out later to not really be her brother and they had sort of set you up so that someone 
could take photos of you meeting with this neo-Nazi and then sort of smear you in the Russian press. That is true. (laughs) (laughs) Can we just get this on the record? Are you a Nazi, Adrian? No. Please be honest. All right, I trust you on that. And I never have been. Were you worried for your safety? No, because when I saw this campaign start and I was already back in the U.S., so uh, there wasn't really anything that that could happen. And I had no idea what was that it was happening when I was actually there. Oh, okay. Because I know that they had, like, taken pictures of you outside your hotel and stuff like that. Yeah, they were, like, obviously following me around for a while (laughs) in St. Petersburg, but I had no idea. So what kind of message have you you been receiving? What have the reactions been like? I've gotten a lot of messages from, like, Ukrainian people or Russian opposition people trying to get me to write about, you know, other shenanigans that they say are going on. And, And one of the big things that is happening now is what they call political blocking. And uh, what they say is happening is basically, you know, an opposition person or a Ukrainian person on Facebook who uses it to get, you know, out uh, an anti-Kremlin message will all of a sudden find their Facebook deactivated because a bunch of pro-Kremlin people will report it. That's what I do to Katie a lot. I just deactivate her Facebook whenever she picks the wrong pony in My Little Pony that she says is the best. <laughs> it's, it's obviously Rainbow Dash. <laughs> Adrian, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us about uh, Nazis and uh, Dawkins and Mein Kampf and Russians and Putin. Thanks for watering it down for us and just like kind of being a nice mainstream host uh, guest for us. You know, this is a really middle of the line episode for us. Um, no problem. I, only, I have one last quick question. Who is worse for the internet, Putin or Violent Acres? <laughs> nice. Uh, Vi- Violent Acres is this notorious troll from Reddit that Adrian famously outed a couple years ago. I think they're both bad in different ways. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Adrian, you're doing good work out there. I think you're making the world a better place. Thank you. You too. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, definitely not me. I'm definitely not making it worse, a little bit worse. If you haven't checked it out, uh, check out Adrian's story. It's called The Agency. Uh, It was in the New York Times Magazine. Follow Adrian on Twitter. He's at Adrian Chen, and that's Adrian with an A. Adrian, thank you so much. Thanks to our uh, favorite pro-Kremlin trolls, Julia Furlan, Jenna Weiss-Berman, Eleanor Kagan. They definitely only want you to vote for Putin, and they love everything about him. They think the Kremlin is cool, and they think Putin's awesome. And they do a, they, they do a bang-up job every week, uh, miking us inside of a tank in which we record most of our podcast in. So thank you so much. Yeah, if you ever wondered what what why this uh, sounds weird, because we're we're actually podcasting from inside a Soviet-era Russian tank. That's right. If you have like a cool, weird, similar thing happening in your country, and you want us to treat it with the seriousness and respect in which we treat all topics on Internet Explorer, please also email us and give us a heads up. Ooga chaka, ooga chaka, ooga chaka. <laughs> Please never do that again. <laughs> I'm saying it in the red.